Friends, Romans, countrymen, lend me your ears. I'm Mark Anthony, and this is Demolition News Radio, episode 162. In this episode, a tender issue. This podcast is sponsored by WillowHire.com, the UK's leader in dust suppression equipment. Kick the dust into touch with our new, bigger and better all-in-one dust suppression units for hire. Call Willow on 01582 840045. When I met up with Robert Young, he'd just been appointed as Development Director at Downwell Group, so he had every right to be positive, upbeat and even ecstatic. But he wasn't. In fact, as you will hear from the conversation that follows, Robert has some very serious concerns about the state of the UK demolition industry, about the procurement process and about pricing. And we'd urge you to stick around to the very end of this show because Robert concludes with a truly stark message for the sector. But we start with the reasons that Robert Young is feeling less than positive about the current demolition climate. I suppose I just think we're, as an industry, we're letting, um, letting ourselves down. And that's not just um, down while I'm just the only losers in that. I think everybody loses out. Yeah. In what way? A couple of reasons, Mark, because, you know, the current way procurement is within our industry specifically, I think is totally um, outdated. And if it's not better regulated or better maintained, I think there's going to be a lot of casualties, rightly or wrongly. So where are the problems? Is this client imposing city terms or is it um i think there's a lot of that i also think as as with everything in life um i think the impetus is on fully on cost um and i'm seeing a case now of projects we've looked at for you know fairly repeat clients of ours which they seem to be just giving a, a chance to on people they've never used there's no um no scrutiny on their work or anything like that and just cost is driving the industry further and further downwards, in my opinion. So, I mean, you've mentioned qualification. PQQs and, and the CDM rigs were supposed yes. to overcome both of those things, you know, theory, dri- yes. driving competence yeah. and, you know, mm. pre- pre-qualification checks and that sort of thing. Mm. And yet you're, you're saying, and you're, you're not the first no, one, no, said, but you're, no. you're saying that's not the case. No, I think there's, we seem to have had a proliferation a couple of years ago of accreditations. Um, I can tell you right now, Mark, what, ones we need to have for certain tenders it it's a kind of bit of a merry-go-round um and i'd say added to that the power unfortunately of, of the federation seems to be sliding for whatever reason um it clearly used to be a, a very important factor in tendering work that you were a federated member but for whatever reason it, it doesn't seem to be coming up anymore is that does that go hand in hand with this idea of of cost driving it because you I mm. think to the outside world, mm. the NFTC is, is probably seen generally as like the Premier League of, of the industry. Yeah. If you're looking at cost, maybe you're not looking at the, at the, at the Premiership, maybe, no, no. maybe you're shopping in the Championship <laughs> instead. You know? I don't even think it's that so much. I just think that the, the product of what we do, I think there's at no point, it, I can't think of any other industry that doesn't value quality as little as demolition. I mean, if you go and buy a, a kitchen, you at least think that the, you know, your taps are going to run or that the stove's going to ignite, but for, it just seems that what we do is kind of just some men and machines, and however you arrange it, that's what you get, but not the case. Who's driving that? 
because it's, it's very easy to point the finger at clients and say, you know, you, you should be doing mm. your job better. But there, there is always an eagerness within the industry to mm. undercut. Yeah. You know, whatever price you're given, somebody will do it cheaper. Yes, yeah. So are we, are we cutting our own throats? I think so, yeah. Um, I mean, look, everyone in whatever industry wants best value for money. Um, but to what extent does that mean that the people you're using for those things, are, the quality is suffering immeasurably, yeah. And I'm not just saying that as someone who works for someone at like a, you know, Matt Downwell as a company's been going for some time, but increasingly we're noticing just the real ruthless kind of nature of cost cutting. And that's across the board. Yeah? That's not just. I, I, we've already mentioned yeah. before we started recording the, the idea of you know Joe Bloggs with his one digger. He's yeah. always going to be cheaper than a, a multi-million pound company. Yeah, look, got, uh, but that. It, it spreads further than that. Yeah, it does. Yeah. And it's not, you know, I'm not here to lecture and say to the smaller companies they can't do what they do, they fill a valuable niche. Um, but equally, I just think that there's, there doesn't seem to be any, kind of any checks or balances on it. Unfortunately, as I said, Marks, a lot of these companies, you know, we could have done 100 jobs for, but if we're a pound more, it doesn't matter. Is this a timing thing? Mm. Because, I mean, we're... It, it now seems acceptable that we can talk about possibly slipping back into recession. Yep. And, and that, that tends to trigger undercutting and yeah, cross-cutting and that sort of thing. Mm. Is this a timing thing or is this something that's been going on for a longer time? Um, I think it's always been there. Um, but obviously the kind of the elephant in the room of, say, like Brexit, potential recession, it probably hasn't helped matters and you don't want it to all become a big sort of self-fulfilling prophecy. But timing is obviously important at the minute. Um, and I... I genuinely concerns me what, what which way the industry could go in the next sort of 12 months if it doesn't sort itself out because that is one of the problems with, with obviously you know we, we talk mm. about economic cycles you know we, we go down and, and that drives costs down yeah and it seems that at the point where we've probably got prices back to where they need to be yeah another recession comes along course, so we, yeah. we, we never seem to get that far ahead not really no but that's that's self-fulfilling to a degree i mean we're, we're, we're kind of doing that to ourselves aren't we yeah and I, again I, I can't see this happening in, in many other industries. I just, I don't, we're kind of like our own worst enemy in this. Um, and there doesn't seem to be the leadership or direction from enough people within it to really try and tackle it. Well, I guess that's one of the, the challenges. I mean, obviously we've got the NFDC and, and the Institute of Demolition Engineers and, and, and people get around tables and, and talk about how the industry might be improved. Mm. But ultimately, everybody's in it for themselves, aren't they? Yes. You know, they all yep. have their NFDC meetings and go back and, and try and win the, win the work themselves. Mm. But to a degree, and I'm not talking about sort of colluding on price. And, and no, no, no. But I, you know, this idea of, of getting together and saying, you know, we, we really need to sort that out. Is that happening, do you think? I don't think so. And also, I think, just sort of pick up someone said a minute, I think the, the big kind of elephant in the room here is, is the illusion of quality. People want to think that they're going with quality, and often we see on a lot of tenders, sort of sixty, forty percent weighted in favour of that. But when all is said and done, Mark, fundamentals is is price. Uh, I I don't think that that's that's changed, no matter how you dress it up. Um, and we're probably shooting ourselves in the foot for it. Demolition News Radio, the independent voice of the global demolition industry. And yet we we are. Obviously, the, you know, effectively the first responders, we're the first people mm. on the site. And you're, you're talking about projects here, you know, 
potentially multi-million pound mm. project. Yeah. And and that that need for quality does seem to be applied further up the chain. Yes, it so, does. So you know yeah. the, the the main contractor or whoever it might mm-hmm. be or the principal contractor. That, that that check does seem to be applied. Is that because demolition is still seen as sort of the low man on the ladder and, yeah. and not not worth worrying about? I, I don't know how how it tries to smarten itself up or rebrand itself. I, I just that perception hasn't gone away, and even if it's diluted slightly, I don't think that will ever change. The. the this begs the obvious question: mm. Is this just sour grapes? Have you lost a, a couple of decent oh. jobs that you that you quite fancied? Or oh yeah, definitely. I think you know, perhaps I'm not going to be the first here. So could we have maybe sort of reduced our overhead profits? Maybe, probably. In fact, on on a couple of jobs. Um, but I I think that like I said, there's you can't escape from the bigger issues here, and there seems to be, uh, obviously. I don't say less and less work, but I think people are having to be a bit more careful about what they price, especially, like I said to you, Mark, before we started, when correspondence seems to be absolutely threadbare. People don't want to say anything, you know, um, and a lot of companies are often in the kind of no-man's land, and there's, oh, well, you lost the job by, you know, 500 quid, and you just think, bit of shame, you know. And is it 500 quid, or is it a lot more than that? Depending, obviously, on you know, like the value of the project, um, stuff like that. But I'm, I know I'm not going to be the first who's been led up like blind alleys by, you know, scrupulous surveyors or other directors with their own agendas. But um, I, I just think people need to start taking this a bit more seriously before they, you know, they're pricing everything they see. Um, who knows? With with construction, it. Yeah. And I know there are fluctuations in price there, but with construction, you know, if you're building a house, yeah, you know how many bricks go into that. You know your your mm. build cost per square foot or square meter or whatever it might be. Mm. So th- there really shouldn't be much to choose between no. construction companies or building companies. In theory, yeah. Is that the same in, in demolition? Again, I can't think of another specific part of the industry where you can be so far out. You know, you might have a spread of prices of, of 50, 60, 70%. <laughs> and, and again, I, that's not even always... Okay, look, if, if you take like the demolition of a house, it's unlikely that there's going to be poles and poles apart. But it just seems that there is... You say at the top end, if I say I want to build a 500-bed hotel and you go to three or four companies, they might be only like 3 4 5% in it. But for some reason at this end, it's kind of... It, it's just scatty it's just erratic <clears throat> you mentioned before we started recording this this notion of tender list being far too big yes yeah. which obviously pre-qualification was supposed to do away with of course you yeah. know we, we should be looking at four or five companies not 20 or 30 or whatever yes. that yeah. but that is still going on is it yeah, it still goes on there's no um it doesn't seem to be any appetite to limit the lists people don't want to say to companies that you can't price things even if they might not even be competent to do it. Um, and again, that creates problems where, you know, at the end of the day, Mark, it's only one company is going to win that job. You, you know, it's like a kind of an F1 race, you're only going to get one winner. But what's the point of having, I don't think the client gets value for money by having 20 prices. Um, especially when all those 20 companies, one might be turning over 30 million, the other might only be making a million. There's a lot of risk with that. So there's, there's no, there's just no checks and balances on it at all. 
I mean, we, we've mentioned PQQs, but CDM was supposed to outlaw that as well. You know, this, this idea of everything being competence-led. Mm. You know, I mean, I'm not saying that a million-pound company is any less competent than a thirty million-pound company. No, not at all. But, but you know, it should it should certainly take care of you know the landscape and company yeah. down the road that, that knocked a shed down once. You know, yeah, definitely. Is that not the case? Uh, I, I don't see much evidence of that. Um, I think there probably was that collective will to try and see that through, but that's dissipated and again just seems to be parked up on the side but oh yeah do you remember when we spoke about that it's just doesn't it's not on the agenda at the minute you've got some notes here yeah no just um a few things that we've kind of spoken about i just think um just really return hone in on that thing about like the local procurement side of things um i just think it's it's, it's just on a hiding to nothing really i don't think clients get good value from it. i don't think they get particularly good people involved early on um, and increasingly we're finding a lot of the work is going to companies well outside of the geography of these councils um, which is a bit ironic when you consider thinking that for local contractors for sort of local council work but that seems to be miles away at the minute but oh, we, we touched on this as well you would have thought that the, the need for environmental Mm. credentials would have overcome that you know you don't want to be driving down from Scotland every other day <laughs> when when you've actually got a contractor under jars up the road that makes no no sense at all no not at all um but until these things are perhaps rectified from within the council and the guidelines are t- better enforced or a bit stricter um then that won't change unfortunately and I'll probably stand here today we've probably got as much chance of winning a job in the north of Scotland than have five miles up the road depending on what it is but then, that, is that That's not crazy. the nature of the of the business now? I mean, there, there mm. used to be a there used to be this idea that you know there was a London contractor, there was a yes, Birmingham yeah. contractor. Everyone's a national contractor now, aren't they? I, I think so. Yeah, um, which again, I suppose, it represents great growth and opportunity for those who've been savvy enough to go into areas where they normally wouldn't go to. But at the same time, you've got to feel perhaps for those people who have long established there, who have maybe built up good contacts and good quality of work and that's probably suffered we're we're talking about this not long after we've had the the, the three scaffolding collapses and yes. there's been quite a lot of industry talk about mm. the fact that a, a contractor will win the job and then sub it out and, and the subcontractor may subsequently sub it out yeah. as well mm. that again just it, it, it begs the question you know what are clients getting in terms of value you know they're, mm. they're probably not getting best term, best value in terms of the amount they're paying for the job but ultimately they're not getting best value in the people that are doing the job either no and, and i think in situations like that it's um obviously they're kind of best known they've been best publicized um where it's gone wrong but i still think even on the case where you know there, there haven't been any accidents i still think that clients probably aren't aware of really who they've, they've got on a lot of these jobs most of the time which I find terrifying, really. If you're doing something as dangerous as demolition, you don't know half the people on the job from the client side. Yeah, anything could happen. That that just renders everything mm. nonsensical. You know, the idea of PQQs and CDM and everything else. Mm. If if you don't actually know who's doing the job for you, no, none of that's worth a thing, is it? No, not at all. And um, hence why I think that whole everything really now is the time everything has got to be centralised or one body has to look after all of that because at the minute it's so broad and so wide ranging that I don't think any of them could really say we are the definitive people for 
your CDM or health and safety. There's just too many, far too many. That is the problem with it, with any of these schemes, isn't it? I mean, you, you look at the PQQ mm. system, you know, everybody's got their own PQQ system and then there's umbrella yeah. systems to yeah. sit over that and now uh, Build UK are, are introducing their own which sits over that as well. Yeah. You know, where, where do you begin with that? You know, it's not, perhaps it's not surprising. No, and no, nobody's taking any real notice. It's of probably that. not something that, a, you know, a demo company itself can, can sort out, but, you know, fair play to the sort of savvy companies who've set themselves up to say, we'll answer your PQQs and we'll get you on this tender list and... But well, obviously, seem to be doing very well, but without really a lot of knowledge of demolition. Is that what it all comes down to? That lack of knowledge, because mm. d- demolition. I, I mean, I, and I think demolition as an industry is is kind of guilty of this, mm. in that it we portray ourselves as sort of masters of this dark art, mm. and and <laughs> and the outside world kind of treats it the same. It's almost like well, you're a demolition company. Go go do your thing and leave, leave us, us alone. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And yet, you know, the only time that, that anybody ever complains about it is when something goes wrong, I guess. Yeah, I just think that it, it just needs to be, obviously, I'd like to say it's got to be taken more seriously, but then it's got to be attracting the right people, perhaps. And, um, and maybe it's still not doing enough to do that. You know, it seems that I've got a brother who obviously did a very long civil engineering course and is now like a graduate civil engineer, but, I, you know, it still baffles me that with demolition, it was only fairly recently there was even like a course for that um, and, and hopefully that will begin to bear fruit and people might sort of take notice and begin applying themselves for it hopefully we, we touched on the, the NFDC mm. and the NFDC you know through its site audit and everything else is, is, is obviously trying to improve mm. standards and that kind of thing but it can only really influence those within yes absolutely and you know if there are 140, 150 members, they're, they're like mm. a quarter of the of the UK demolition industry. Yeah. So there's that other three quarters that are not really being mm. dragged up to those no. standards. And, and some of them are. I mean, no, you yeah, know, I, I, there are some very good contractors outside the NFDC. Yes, definitely. But how, how, as an industry, does the whole industry improve? Um, really, it's got to be legislation, Mark, really. And... You know, I don't want this to be seen as like, oh, well, the bigger companies are dragging everyone with them and telling them they've got, you know, they're like naughty schoolboys and need to get their act together. But there's just not enough kind of collectivised incentive to do that. And a lot of companies are put off by like things like membership fees and thinking, oh, do I want to be spending that money to be part of that? What benefits do I really get? Will I be on any more tender lists? Will this help me win more work? And if, if you've got any grey areas on that, then you're not going to join it. And that I th- I think that with all trade associations that mm. becomes more polarised in the event of a of a recession. Yeah. You know if you're if you're scratching around for a few quid, spending a couple of grand to be a member of a of a federation or a a trade body. Yeah. That suddenly starts to feel uncomfortable. Of course it? it does, and that you might that might be the difference between getting a, a good supervisor, a couple of good drivers, or practical things like that, um, or hiring a machine or whatever it might be. Um, if the money isn't there, then they're not going to do it. But I think it's really about time that I don't. I think the industry is not capable of um, evolving itself, so somebody else needs to do it. I think that's a that's a really telling statement. Mm. You, you believe that's the case? It's yeah, not, I do. It's yeah. not capable of evolving I don't itself. Think, I'm not. I'm not here long in the tooth. Been in it for fifty years, all through all the highs and lows. But I'm just making it as a sort of, I suppose, a fairly kind of a newcomer to the industry. I just think a lot of what I see is just it. This won't last. 
you know, and I don't mean to sound like sort of some sort of doomsday like prophecy here, but the you know, I think other industries have shown that unless you sort of comply, it's going to be grim consequences for everyone. You know, you, the fact that you are a fairly fresh set of eyes. Though, mm-hmm. I mean, sometimes that's where the innovation needs to come from. It, it is. You know, I, I think any industry and, and any way of life, you, you can get entrenched, you know. Yeah. We've always done it like that, and, and that's the way we've, we'll always do it. Yeah, definitely. It, it doesn't need newcomers to come along and say, why, do you, why yes. are you doing that? That's clearly wrong. No, definitely, it? you know, and without that, I mean, look, I'm not here, as I said, like a hardened veteran contracts manager who's taken down hundreds and thousands of buildings throughout the country or whatever, but, you know, that that's putting all that to one side. The, the way we work... And for what we work to, it isn't right. We've we've talked a lot about what's wrong. Mm. What what should the process be? Um, I think take, take local authorities yeah, yeah, as an example. How should local authorities really work? I think on the basic premise of a few contractors who have successfully either pre-qualified for certain values of work should be given that opportunity. Um, I just think these massive endless free-for-all tenders where you hear nothing for six months and find out that a company from the North East has got it or something just makes you think, that isn't good, that's not good enough. Um, so really it's about limiting the numbers, making sure that people are going for the right sort of framework values. Uh, I mean, I've heard people say that there needs to be sort of these demo frameworks, but I just don't think that's going to, there's too much competition out there for people to want to do it. Um, so they really just need to tighten up the controls and figure out, right, there's four frameworks for this values, four companies go for each. I think that would just be a very simple step in itself. You know? I'm not even sure frameworks are the answer anyway. No, I don't. I mean, they, they, they're such a ball lake to actually get on in the first place. They <laughs> yes. cost a fortune to, to qualify, yeah. and there's no guarantee of work at the end of them. No. What, why would you do that? You know? Well, I mean, equally, we've gone on something where a whole council framework is priced on a schedule of rates. So... My schedule of rates could be completely different from your schedule of rates, but then if, say, uh, a warehouse over the road, whose schedule of rates do you apply? doesn't mean that the job might be £100,000, but I say, well, your schedule of rates, yeah, we reckon it's about half of that. There's no consistency. Mm. Um, and it just it almost needs basically ripping up and, and starting again, I would say. But it needs to come from... Above demolition, doesn't it? Yes, I think so. We're not going to abide by it. I think we're the worst industry sometimes at not letting outsiders get involved with it, um, which is a bit of a shame because, you know, we get very entrenched, very wrapped up, very protective over what we have. Um, but it's it's affecting the whole industry. Um, and that's what I'm saying, just a little bit of outside help probably isn't the worst thing at this time. We've mentioned the, the recession word a couple of times, and, mm. and obviously, you know, all of this kind of feeds into that. We've got Brexit yeah, on the horizon. Um, where does this end? Do we are we likely to lose more demolition firms? Do you reckon? Um, sitting here today, I think more than likely. Unfortunately, there will probably be a few casualties sort of along the way. But then also, might, there might be others who think that by scaling down by reducing their own overheads it might might turn out to be a very wise decision um but there's no there's no two ways about it that there's there will certainly be a, a lack of investment at the front end which will obviously affect the output of the other so there's a lot of companies out there and i'd be amazed if in 12 months time they'll all be there
If you would like to help support this show, Demolition News, or the Demolition Magazine, please consider becoming a patron. Just head over to patreon.com forward slash demolition news to find out more.